This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Many of you when think, hey, if I was a millionaire, or you could be like Tevia from Fiddler Roof, if I were a rich man, la 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 la. You know, you sing la la la, but you just name me all the things you would want with that. <laughs> I would have a boat and a car and a, you know, and the moon saying all that stuff. Yeah, that's what you want. And that's usually how it is. God would not supply all your wants, but he would supply all your needs. And he knows those needs before you even ask. Have you ever stopped to think about what are your wants versus what are actual needs? Too many people think what they just want are necessities. For example, you need water, but you want flavored water. In today's message, Pastor Eddie explains that God may not be giving you what you pray for because it's a want and not a need. God already knows what you really need and will give it to you when you ask. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 4. As he continues his message, quarrels and conflicts among you. The flesh and the spirit, the war among you. And it gets out of control and they fight against each other. So what is the spirit and the flesh fighting for? What's left? We're trichotomy, the mind, the consciousness. You see, because the flesh wins, it's going to have you think and do things according to the flesh. On the other hand, the spirit, if it wins this battle, it's a daily battle on every topic, guess what's going to happen? It's going to have control of the mind. You're going to do things of God. And that's important. So the flesh and the spirit are battling to control your mind, your consciousness. That's why we, we behave, we act based on how the battle ends in within us. And this is why Paul, when he wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he writes this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is important. Now, listen carefully. Don't ever think for a minute, God doesn't know what you think about. The worst thing you can think about, God knows. God knows what you've been thinking, what you have thought in the past. God knows all things. Now, the scripture doesn't say that Satan or the enemy can read your mind. So he cannot read your mind because he's not like God. He's an angelic being. But he knows your behavior. He analyzes. They analyze. They study you. Oh, I know what, pre- I, I know what button to press with Eddie. <laughs> You know, but God knows what you think about. Now, the, nobody around you may not know what you're thinking about, but God knows. And so that's why it's important for us to be careful what we entertain in the mind because, you know, the thought after thought becomes an action after action becomes a habit after habit becomes a destiny, you see. And so it's so important that to take every thought captive, okay? So when the flesh and the spirit of battling Who's going to make it to the brain? Who's going to make it to the top? Take every thought captive. You have a filter right there. At least that's your last hope right there. Take it captive. 
to the obedience of Christ. And then let's say the flesh wins and it gets to your mind and now you're thinking about, you know, what the flesh is telling you to do. Hey, you have desires, you have pleasures, let's run with that. You bring it before the Lord. And then you're tempted. Now, again, we, we've studied this in the past. Being tempted is not a sin. It's falling into temptation. Jesus was tempted when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. So this is where it all takes. This is the battle. And so they're battling for controlling the mind. And so that's why it's, it's, more, it's very important that we're careful to walk in the spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because once we fulfill the lust of the flesh, we're going to act upon it. Okay? And so the more you feed the flesh, the more it wants to be fed. Don't think for a moment, oh, I'm just going to feed it this one time. Oh, no, no. You're keeping it alive. Let it die. Let it die. That's why it's important that we should fast. We should fast. It's not, you know, a religious works. It's biblical. Fast. We need to fast. Why? Because, you know, sometimes the body, you know, the body needs a break. And a lot of things happen when you do fast, by the way. When you fast, what happens? Let's put it as when you eat. You eat a cheeseburger, right? Or like me, two cheeseburgers. <laughs> and the blood that's supposed to go to the digestive system, you know, it's supposed to go to the brain, it's going to the digestive system, and, and you know, it's just running around. You're not thinking clearly because you're digesting that burger or burgers, okay? But when we fast, you know, not feeding the flesh, we discipline the body. Body needs discipline, doesn't it? And now we think clear. Now when we go into prayer, you know, you know there's a lot of blood up in the brain, if you will. The Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you're putting into practice, you're thinking about what you're reading in your devotion and time. So it's very important. So don't feed the flesh, but feed the spirit. You know, if you feed the flesh, what's going to happen? Desires, ungodly sin is going to get stronger, and the spirit is going to lose the battle because you're feeding the flesh. On the other hand, if you feed the spirit... Spending time with the Lord, studying the word of God in devotion, in worship, in prayer, ministering to one another. Fellowship, konania, is so important. And now you're building up the spirit, you see, and the spirit wins. Now you're, you're putting on the mind of Christ, if you will. You're putting on the mind of Christ. You're thinking like Christ. You're walking like Christ. Why? Because you didn't give in to the spirit. So we need to be careful. This is where the battle, it comes from within us. Because what happens ultimately when the, the, if the flesh wins or the spirit wins, right? If, we, if the flesh wins, we're going to sin. And what's the wages of sin is? Death, right? Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life and Christ Jesus our Lord, you see. It's very important. So this war, all these wars, it happens within us. We need to be careful. We need to be mindful of it. And this is the reason why Christians go through this cycle. Oh, spiritual high. Oh, spiritual low. Oh, I don't know if God loves me anymore. Now you forgot about doctrine. You forgot about theology. You forgot about the things you need to know in the word of God. And this is why there's a lot of lukewarm Christians. This is the reason why a lot of Christians, you know, drift away. Because we don't understand the battle within. We're not walking in the spirit. 
Rather, we're walking in the flesh. Back to James. Let's look at verse 2. We made it so far to verse 1 to verse 2. He says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You covet. You covet the things you do not have. And so let's, let's put this together, what we just learned about the battle within. And so the flesh is coveting something you do not have, maybe it's what somebody else's have. And so it makes its way to the mind, and it works out a scheme to get it to the point where you can actually kill someone. Now, in the writing of James, it could be, you know, if we have anger towards our brother, if we hate our brother, the Bible says that's murder. So wait a minute, that's Jesus' definition. When you hate, if you don't, because the reason is you're not going to follow hate. If you follow your hateful heart towards a brother, you know, you would kill them. But you know the consequences, right? And that's why Jesus said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you committed murder. And so it, it works up in the mind and you covet, so you murder and you can't obtain it, so you fight in war. And, we, and I can't tell you how many times we read in the paper, just this month alone, two wives hired hitmen to kill their husbands. Two different stories. Why? Why am I alive? You know, it's, it's just to show you how far it can go. One wanted to, to get the assurance over $2 million, the other because she loves someone else. And this goes on and on. This is only the this is only ones that make the paper. Okay? But how many times we see how often you hear someone was murdered and the, the, the person that committed the murder wanted something. Even wanted them, was jealous of them, falling in love with someone else, or because they have someone they love, or they robbed them, or, or whatever it is. They have something that they wanted. And it, it extends to the point of murder. It's dangerous. Please keep your desires and pleasures, make sure, fight the flesh, walk in the spirit. And this is nothing new. If you read Samuel, 2 Samuel chapters 15 to 17, you find that David's son Absalom, he lusts so much to rule over Israel that he's willing to kill his father. That story is in the Bible. <laughs> it's funny, the Bible is filled with dysfunctional families. So, saints, don't let the flesh win the battle. Let it Walk in the spirit. So we looked at verse one. We looked at the first half of verse two, the source of conflicts. Now let us look at the second half of verse two to verse four. James now gives us the effect of the conflict. Let's look at the end of verse two. He said, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. On your own pleasures. And many of us fall short of this. Now, there are many, you know, prosperity preachers, teachers, false teachers, false teachers, especially in TVN, and I'll say that loudly, TVN, there's a lot of false teachers there because they want to name it and claim it, shake it and bake it, blab it and grab it. You said it, God's got to give it to you because anything you ask in his name, right? You ask the mist. That's the passage they don't want you to read. You're praying with the wrong motives. For example, Lord, this week's lotto jackpot is a billion dollars, Lord. Lord, just let me win it. 
I promise I'll build a new church. I'll take in every orphan in the county of Pike County, you know, and you come with all these ridiculous, yeah, God's going to give it to you for that reason. It's sad. I always say, Lord, if I get this job, Lord, I would, you know, give more, Lord. If, if, if I get the promotion, oh, Lord, um, if I get the job, if I get extra overtime, Lord, don't, I'm going to bless the church, and I'm going to be there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and see, we, when we ask the Lord for things, we ask the mess because we, we, we have wrong motives. It's, it's a selfish personal pleasures that we ask the Lord, thinking that God is going to answer those kind of prayers. And, I don't, and you may want it seriously. You may find all kinds of reasons to give to God. Well, this is what I want, and I have like 12 things I'm going to tell the Lord why I need it. <laughs> it's an insult to God. It's an insult to God. God already knows the heart. He knows the motive. You ask and do not receive because you ask the miss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Instead, we ought to be praying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I know a brother or a sister in Christ that are in need. I want to pray for their needs, not my needs. I want to pray for their needs. I want to pray for their needs. This is exactly what Jesus, Jesus wasn't selfish. He knew he was going to the cross and there in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup, meaning this cup of wrath, this punishment on the cross, away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Anything and everything we pray for, it is according to his will, according to the will of God. And that is because everything will be done according to the will of God. It's not because you said it. Oh, Lord, I prayed for it. I, I said it in your name. It says it in the Bible. Well, just that one sentence. I didn't read before or after. I didn't keep it in context, you know. <laughs> you know. But it says anything I ask for, well, tag, you're it, Lord. You got to give it to me. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, John write, writes this in his first epistle. He says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that what we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And so God knows that everything is according to his will. I remember the, in the Gospels when the man with leprosy says, Lord, if it is your will, heal me. And that is always my prayer. That is my prayer. If I surrender my life to the Lord, he does whatever he wishes with me. He would allow whatever he wants to happen in my life. I'm not going to shake down and Say, Lord, you have to. No, God doesn't have to do anything. It's amazing how we approach the throne of God in prayers. But understand this. When it comes to prayers, God loves you. You have no idea how much he loves you. I don't think there's not a single man on this planet, or woman, from the time of Adam to the, time, to the last man, that would know the love of God. God's love is too big because he's big, and he loves you. And God, because he loves you, he knows all your needs. He knows your needs before even you discovered you have a need. 
This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. It says, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. That's how big our God is. And we forget. And we're praying like if God needs to know. <laughs> when you bow on your knees and you ask the Lord for your needs, understand that he already knows. He already knows. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul writes this, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will supply all your needs, not your wants. There's a difference. We want a lot of things, especially if we have the strong desires for pleasure and to please the pleasure of the flesh. We have so much, so many things that we want. How many of you when think, hey, if I was a millionaire, or you could be like Tevia from Fiddler Roof, if I were a rich man, la, 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 la. You know, you sing la, 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 but you just name me all the things you would want with that. <laughs> I would have a boat and a car and, a, you know, and I'm going to say all that stuff. You know, that's what you want. And that's usually how it is. God would not supply all your wants, but he would supply all your needs. And he knows those needs before you even ask. But he says at the end of verse 19 of Philippians chapter 4, according to his riches in glory. How rich is our God? There isn't another, you shouldn't even think about it. And so, God knows the need. Look at verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Now, he's using these, these terms uh, metaphorically. Understand that the first readers of the book of James were also Hebrews, so he's, he's writing in a way where his Jew, Jewish readers can understand because it's a figure of speech. It is used in the Old Testament of, of describing the children of Israel who was unfaithful to God when they, they started worshiping idols. So the Jewish readers or, or hearers, when they read this, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, we've been down that road before, remember? You know, the golden calf, you know? Just right after they've been set free from Egypt, <laughs> they built a calf after they saw the, the mighty hand of God delivering them. And they still, and what James is condemning here the love of material things, and we're going to see that in context here. But he, the adultery he's talking about is not about a sexual adultery, but is a spiritual adultery, a spiritual infidelity. It is when someone puts another God in place of the God that loves you. It's like a marriage. We belong to God. We belong to him. And so he says, adulterers and adulter adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's some heavy words. Don't go to the mall. Don't go to your friend's barbecue. No, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. Let's read what, what John has to say in connection with this. First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here are the three things that are dangerous. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three things the enemies saying always tempts us with. This is what happened in the garden, right? Right? In the garden. Satan, the serpent, said to the woman. Right? Hey, you know, the lust of the flesh. Don't you want to be smart? Don't you want to know things? Take from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right? Oh, look at that fruit. The lust of the eyes. Oh, it's great. And the pride of life. To not need God. 
because they're going to have the wisdom. The same three things that Satan used to tempt Jesus was when he was in the wilderness, right? Oh, Jesus, you see that stone? Doesn't look like a loaf of bread. Oh, do I see cheese goozing out of that, you know? No, that's the same way. That's what he'll do for us. So he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, you know, you may say, wait a minute, I think there's a little, you know, contradiction here, because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Well, the word world is mentioned in three ways in the scriptures. World, the planet. Uh, world, the people. God so loved the world. And then world, the system, the world system, like the world of finance, the world of sports. And the world has a system. And if we love that system over God and his word, then that's what it's saying. You're being a friend of the world. You're an enemy of God. Okay? It's not to say you can't, you know, go out with your friend and have a cup of coffee. Okay? That's not a believer. No. Go. Share the gospel. Either you change him, but be careful. He might change you. Don't be attracted to the things of the world. That's what happened to the children of Israel. When, they, when the Lord delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt, you know, after they were in the, in the, de- in the wilderness for a little bit, they said, we should have went back to Egypt. Yeah, I know. They were killing us. But at least we were able to eat food. We got nothing out here. This thing called manna. What is that? Manna. You know, we, also, we, we're tired of manna. Manicotti. Manicaroni and cheese. <laughs> manna, manna, manna. Want something different. Let's go back to Egypt. And that's how it was in the world. And we get, we get attracted by the things of the world. The world has nothing. It's always going to deceive you. Understand that. The world has nothing. Nothing. And we see it more and more. As a matter of fact, there are more, who, there, there are more people that I'm, I'm actually seeing that, that don't know Christ are realizing, hey, there's something dark happening. And they're coming to the Lord because they see it's just lunacy. It's just craziness out there. It has to be influenced by demons. So anyway... And we can see how, you know, in our last study, how this connects because we studied, you know, the wisdom from above and wisdom from below, right? The world system, wisdom from below, it connects. This world has a wisdom, but it's, it's earthly, sensual, and it's demonic. So when we love the world, the things of the world, here's what happens. Here's where it connects to the adultery, the spiritual adultery. We are untrue and we are unfaithful to God. When you love the world, you're untrue and you're unfaithful to God. God wants us to love Him first and foremost, and we should because He created us. I'm the Word of God is a breath of fresh air, a crutch to lean on when you're too weak to stand, and much, much more. Here on Running the Race, you'll hear teaching after teaching by Pastor Eddie that inspires and challenges your walk with Jesus. If you haven't heard that much about Jesus, make sure to contact us at Calvary Chapel of Milford via runningtheraceradio.com and we'll explain the message of salvation to you. Come be a part of the family of God and experience all that He has for you. I promise it will be beyond your wildest dreams. That website you want to go to now is runningtheraceradio.com. Just in case you missed it, that was runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. 
for service times and all the information you need. Visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Running the Race is a radio ministry coming to you straight from Calvary Chapel of Milford, where we desire to be changed to look like Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit. To learn more about us, go to our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. We're grateful you spend part of your day with us and pray you've been blessed by this broadcast of Running the Race.